Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. I'm Sheila Shoiga and welcome to Ready To Be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not, but my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort or simply entertain you. In this episode, I speak to the inspirational Lindsay Bennett. I have completely made my peace around dying. Um, it's leaving the girls and that's what I always say to people it's leaving the girls that is my thing I think because my mum has already passed on before me I think that's another strange reason why I am so at peace with death do I want to die? absolutely not do I want to be here for decades? absolutely but I am at peace Lindsay lives in Longford with her daughters, Zoe, who's 13, and Hayley, who's eight. And in 2019, she found out she was one of the women caught up in the cervical check scandal brought to public attention by Vicky Phelan. As you'd imagine, this is a difficult conversation at times, so please check the show notes before you listen. We talk about the powerful bond she had and still has with her mother, Leslie, undergoing a hysterectomy at just 28, dealing with the terminal diagnosis and even arranging her own funeral and trusting her gut instinct. She's been getting alternative cancer treatment in Mexico and in Germany over the past year and a half to help strengthen her immune system and support her mindset. And thankfully, it's yielding good results so far, despite being told a few years ago that she probably wouldn't live this long. I was honoured to meet her and have this conversation. Like a lot of people, Lindsay, I heard about you for the first time as one of the many women who were caught up in the cervical cancer scandal. And, 
you know, I didn't expect to be sitting here with you in, what are we, April 2022, having a conversation with you looking so well and the vibe from you is so vibrant. Um, so it's it's actually giving me chills to even say that. And I would imagine more so for you from everything you have been through um, over the past number of years. But just to say at the beginning, I'm, I'm truly honoured to meet you in person because like a lot of people I have watched on in absolute admiration in how you have handled a devastating diagnosis that's been given to you um, and all you've been through. And you are sitting here with a giant smile on your face. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Oh, thank you very much. I always am like absolutely blushing uh, when people compliment me because I'm just like, no, I'm just Lindsay. <laughs> Let's start the chat with you at 20 years of age. You became uh, a mum for the first time. Your baby girl Zoe was born. Uh, I would imagine a very happy time. Yeah, it, it was. It was amazing. Um, all I ever wanted since I was like about 14 was to have a baby. Really? And yeah. My mum my mama would be like, please do not get pregnant at 14. <laughs> okay. Um, so when everyone asked me, um, did your mum and dad kill you? And they, you came at 19 to be like, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, no, they were relieved. <laughs> <laughs> um, although they were very supportive um, to my face anyway. I'm sure mum was probably going, <gasps> to other people and worried that it would hold me back and you know that's one of the devastating things about her still not being around that she should actually know that because of what happened me now and the fact I can't have kids that it's like thank you thank you thank you that I did have kids young and um, I even used to be like, I have this weird feeling that I'm not going to be able to have them when I'm older. Did you? Yeah. And I always say that it was my angels that are speaking to me. And I know for some people they'd be like, oh, that's so airy fairy. But I always had this feeling. And that was another reason as well that I went for smear tests so young before 25 um, because I had this weird feeling that that is what was going to happen to me as well. And I didn't dwell on it or anything like that. But I just always had this feeling and sure enough, Mm. I was right. I mean, technically from 25, from my first smear test, I um, was already in trouble. Yeah. You know, so even though I was 28 when I eventually had it, a hysterectomy. Yeah, hysterectomy at 28, my God. Yeah. Um, So at 20 and you had this, this feeling that you always wanted to be a mother. Uh, I'm just I'm fascinated by it. So so becoming a mother was obviously a joyous experience. But within the first year of Zoe's life, you had to contend with uh, a diagnosis that your mother received. Yeah. And like that mom was left undiagnosed for years and she kept going with the lumps in her breasts and she kept being told. So it no, was breast cancer. It was breast cancer. And like when they actually tested it because I think they sent away to America or something like that she'd had it for at least 10 years at that stage which meant that she would have only been in her like early 40s and stuff when she had it but she went with the lumps and I mean by the time she was diagnosed at 54 and she died at 58 um, her breasts were 70 and 80% full of cancer by the time she was diagnosed it had gone the whole way throughout her body okay I mean, she was sent for intense physio that when she had three tumours down her spine because they were telling her that like, no, no, you're fine. And nearly that she was imagining pain. And I remember 
I used to go in. It's why I'm not a primary school teacher. <laughs> I used to go in and help ma'am. Um, because when I'd be in second school, I'd have different holidays, especially for the summer. And there'd be the odd day you'd have off different and I'd help her. But she used to have to wear a Velcro belt to try and make her, it feel like her hips were still in place so she could stand up and down. And sure enough, afterwards, finding out that it was cancer gone through her hips as well. And that's why she was in so much pain all the time for years. And um, but being told, no, you're imagining it's muscle and next thing will be bone and it will be muscle again. And yeah, then for all these intense physios and stuff that she shouldn't have been going for. She's lucky she was still in one piece. I remember saying when they realised that it was through her body she was actually in hospital and they came flying in with a spinal board and a neck brace and everything and put her in all of this lying in the bed going wow we've just had your scan back like you have cancer all through your bones through everything like and they were trying to keep her together after years of being sent for lots of different things that could have had her with a lot more damage the frustration of that because it's something that I've actually had this conversation with a lot of different people, not just with the cancer diagnosis, but with other ailments that they have. You often know, because who knows your own body better than yourself? No one. Yeah. Yes, I fully um, respect and bow my head to science and doctors, but you, you, we are always the best authority on our own body. Uh, And that must be very frustrating that she wasn't listened to. It's been absolutely devastated me and mam have had our moments don't worry we've fallen out many times but at the end of the day she's my mam and she's taught me so many amazing things and to not have her here for Haley and zoe is the most devastating thing and the fact that she died at a time where you start being your mam's bestie again mm-hmm. and that i can't go out for lunch with her i know one of my friends and um, boyfriends turned around there oh before covid times and was like does Lindsay Bennett ever eat lunch or anything in her own house? Because there's always like, you know, someone tagging that they've been out to lunch with me or anything like that. And I think I'm trying to overcompensate at times for not having the fun of going out for lunch with mom. Because, you know, we'd often do like a cup and lunch and stuff like that. And that's one thing that absolutely kills me to not do something as simple as that with her and to have mm. that bond with somebody where, you know, you're just having a lovely time of sitting and having the chats and something nice to eat you know that devastates me not having her for that and especially while I was sick there's so many times where I was like I don't have my mammy and I don't have that you know that little extra security you know that's devastating although one of my best friends mammed has been so amazing for me when I'm at home and she's been such a wonderful support so I, I can't forget about her but there's definitely been moments where it's mm. like you know mom would have checked that or you know she'd have been by my side so you're 33 now but your mom is gone nine years nine years yeah I was pregnant six months pregnant with Haley when she died exactly okay. three dates to her due date um and so Haley, strangely enough, she does have a little cry sometimes about mom, even though she never met her. Okay. Um, but yeah, I was six months pregnant when she died and she actually died on my brother-in-law's birthday and we buried her on my little sister's 18th birthday. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was just before my 25th birthday because um, I would have been 25 in July as well. And mom amazingly had actually got me a present and stuff. So she has um, before she died, but... I 
remember going up to the hospital and you could see that the light was gone from her eyes even though she'd, she'd say a few things but I knew and I remember saying to her I'll see you on Tuesday because this was a Sunday but I was bringing um, Zoe to Tato Park so I was with her friend just to do something with her because when mom was sick there was a lot of times that poor Zoe would have to be dropped and I'd be like spending time with her and um things sure, like that and yeah. I know mom was like I was like I don't have to go to Tater Park tomorrow and she was like no no go and I was like well I'll see you on Tuesday and she goes no she says don't come back and I knew she was saying goodbye and I remember walking out of her room and I went back in again to give her another hug because I was like this is the last time you're going to see her you need to tell her as well that you love her and I went back and I gave her a hug and I was like I love you so much and she was like I love you too she was like bye Bye. and I was like bye and I walked out of the hospital and I rang Haley's dad who I was with at the time and I was bawling walking up the street and I said I've said goodbye to my mammy for the last time and you know he was like no you haven't and I was like no I'm telling you I have and I was like I can't believe it and then sure enough that day I was in Taylor Park and my dad rang me and he was like Lindsay your mum's not good he was like she's she's not good like she probably you know she won't make the night they don't think and I was like I was like I've said my goodbyes and I says mum told me not to come back and I was like if I'm meant to see her I was like I will see her on Tuesday morning because I used to go up at half six in the morning or get the bus at half six in the morning to be up with her and sure enough that that morning I woke up at three o'clock and I was like she's gone and I fell back to sleep and I turned off my alarm and next thing I woke up at seven and I'd five missed calls from dad and I tried to ring him back and he didn't answer and then next thing he eventually rang me back and he was like your mom's gone and I was like I know and I was like um what time and he goes she passed away about three o'clock this morning yeah so and like the thing is mom has been in my dreams three times with me being diagnosed she told me you've got cancer and you need to go to the hospital and that's why like I kept going back and I was like my mom is back in my dream she's telling me again and they'd be like no no but sure enough she was she was right um and so she's still very much around yeah you know yeah um but you know it's it's different having someone in the physical um so I do I, I miss her insanely yeah you know and there's definitely things I do that I'm like you'd be like oh, I you'd always say oh, I'm not gonna do that when I'm a mother <laughs> but there's amazing things and there's a lot of people that would be like how did you think of that or how would you work that out or you're so organized and I'm like I got it from my mama yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. so although I let Zoe go to her first disco whereas mam <laughs> was a lot more strict on <laughs> me <laughs> I suppose that was her way of protecting it yeah. in her own way yeah. yeah um wow I mean we've only been talking a short time Lindsay and I'm just um it's very powerful what you're what you're speaking about and also incredibly sad so for what it's worth I am I'm so sorry because even if if this is what the conversation is about speaking to somebody who is who's lost their mother in very difficult circumstances this would be a very uh, moving conversation but unfortunately this is not where the conversation yeah. ends um, and in your early 20s 
going for a smear test is not the norm. You know, we think when we're when we're, when we're in our twenties that we're invincible. Sure, we can do you know party all night and we'll be grand the next day. And you know, usually that is the case. But there was a again, there was a voice, there was a gut feeling, there was something in you telling you at the age 21, 22 to go for a smear. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, and I don't, I don't think I've ever met anyone who has gone for a smear at that age. Yeah. Well, I was like. I remember seeing something that was like reasons to go for a smear test if you're sexually active, if you've been um, on the pill and if you've had children. And I was like, ding, dong, ding. Mm -hmm. I was like, I am hitting on all of those. So I was like, absolutely, I will. And then mom had also been diagnosed, even though hers was breast cancer. And it wasn't that she was carrying a gene or anything like that. And I actually got tested for my girls as well. And I'm not carrying a gene. Thank God. Um, But... I was like, no, no, there's too many reasons. And I was like, I need to need to do this. And I remember I paid 90 euro for it. Yeah, you paid because, yeah, yeah. it's not covered. It's, at such oh, a young no, age. it's not covered. Anything under 25, it's not yeah, covered, smear yeah. test wise, which is insane. I think, OK, not everybody, if they're not sexually active, especially, and if they're not having kids and not on the pill, then maybe. But... I think for someone who is especially sexually active, I mean, and if they're under 25, yeah. you, you need to get on that. And yes. even if they feel that, oh, you know, by the time you get to 25 from 21, if you did have HPV or anything like that, that it can, your body can knock it out. Why not know and be able to keep an eye on it? Sure. Then, well, more than likely by 25, it'll be okay, even if you had anything at 21. Why chance these things, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I know that we need more labs and stuff here. I've been told that, that that's why, unfortunately, we have to, you know, send it abroad to get tested a lot of the times. But, you know, why aren't we working on these things mm. more? And mm. why isn't it done if these things are known that we need more and more labs here and more people to study in testing stuff but yeah absolutely I knew I knew that it was an important thing for me to do yeah and I know you're really passionate about getting the message out there how important it is to go for your smears I mean three months after my baby girl was born she's um five and a half months now I went for the smear again because you you gotta keep you keep on top of it I suppose and I know that's a a loaded statement in your situation but nonetheless despite what has happened it is still important to to, to, to go for the tests and, and, and keep on top Absolutely. of it. Um, what happened to the first one? So the first one, it came back. I remember coming back something that it was like inconclusive or they couldn't read it properly. So mm. that was fine. They were like, come back and do it again or whatever. So I did, I came back and did another one and it came back fine. And then I went back again to do another one then um, a year or so, I think it was after that. And it was at 22 yeah and it came back saying that it was also fine and I was like perfect you're supposed to do them at that stage every three years whereas I think someone said they're possibly pushing it to five years but I wouldn't be as down with all the information Mm. as much now I'm always like just go for it but I was like that's perfect I've three more years and then I'll be 25 anyway and into it so yeah I did it did one at 25 and came back again did another one at 26 came back did another one at 27 um the public ones and i remember and every time you went for them it, was it, there something in you saying i don't know i'm not feeling the something last going on. one especially i was like 
Um, so what, you're 27, like 28? Dis- 27, so I was. And I was like, yeah, I wonder is, is there possibly something with this one? And no, sure enough, it came back saying that it was clear and it was okay. And I, a couple of months or so passed and I was like, mm, I'm just starting to not feel myself. And my mom at this stage was in my dreams. I was having nightmares then as well. I was waking up. Um, and I'd be in pools of sweat. I remember when the girl staying with me and she was like, I didn't realise how bad the sweats were that you were talking about. And like the bed would be saturated that you would honestly think, and this is no exaggeration, that someone had poured water. It was so bad that you couldn't just like um, roll over. You'd have to strip the entire bed and nearly put towels down to be able to put new sheets on to lie where it was. Like it was insane. Yeah. And I was used to be crying sometimes walking up the stairs in the house because it was so strenuous on me and on my body. And then near the end, I was starting to have the bleeds. And then there was one stage where I went into doctors and I was like, I'm bleeding now for three or four weeks. And then uh, it that continued on even for another three or four weeks after that. Um, but I'd already been to the doctor and I was like, there is something wrong. And I was like, well, your last smear test wasn't even a year ago. And it's it was fine so they weren't concerned and they were like probably just a polyp and so then I was like look I've never used my health insurance before can you please just refer me on yeah and it was like right okay and of course I went in it, it was in the December I went in and it was um the day as they were starting to go into the Christmas holidays so it took till January well, it was only two weeks or that but that's the magic of private health insurance which honestly has been one of the most important factors mm. um during my story as well because there's not there would be a lot more delays and everything and there was already a few delays in what has happened in the last couple of years and as soon as the guy seen me in Mullingar, the specialist, he knew that it wasn't going to be good. And even though I had been checked over and you could see what obviously wasn't polyps, which was tumours, and they thought that that was going to be OK. But as soon as the specialist seen me, he knew that it wasn't. And I mean, he only touched off me and there was blood like everywhere. And I was in then the next day. Yeah. And they, he just said, oh, sure, we'll see if we can burn whatever that off is. And he still never used like the word biopsies or anything with me. So I was like, all right, OK. And I said, that's fine. I said, because I um, have to get back to work or whatever. I've got to get to the kids. And he was like, oh, a busy woman. And I was like, yeah, well, I had to work two days to pay your fee. And that's yeah, taking, yeah. you know, 150 euro it was to see him. But it's the best 150 euro I've ever spent in my life. But... I was at the same time like I was a working mom and I had to do that and that was taking out of your usual budget of what mm. you know you'd be working with but thank goodness um that he did and so was he not using words like tumor or okay no, he la- I remember him laughing at me oh so I'm treating you for a polyp am I and right. I thought it was it was a bit weird like him saying it was um, he making light of it I think he was thinking hmm you don't um realize what's actually okay, happening okay, here okay. you know um and 
I remember him he coming down to me the morning of um, the next morning when they were bringing me down and he said oh nurse look at this lady now this is a busy lady because I was nearly bringing out schedules and everything trying to see when I could definitely fit this in around the kids and right. everything so when you went in did he basically say you ain't going anywhere he was like you'll be back here in the morning right because the first off he said um can he be in on Friday? And I said, no, I can't do Friday. I said, I'm back working. I swapped the day so I could work today to yeah, even come yeah, in. And he yeah. was like, oh, busy lady. And he goes, I'll see you tomorrow. Right. This is not up for discussion. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and I was like, that's great. You don't work on Wednesdays. <laughs> <laughs> Suits the schedule. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah, okay. and he was like, oh, busy lady. And that's when I was like, yeah, well, I had to work two days and, and swap days and everything. you're a mother. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. So you're in the next. And what's going through your mind? I was just like, hmm, I think this is going to be a little more um, than what is expect or what's been suspected or whatever has been yeah. told to me. But yeah. I was like, look, we'll go with the flow and there's nothing I can do till I know. And I was just like, right, get, make sure the kids are sorted. And sure, I was only supposed to be in for like a couple of hours to be brought down and to be done. They ended up having to keep me for the night. They couldn't get me to wake back up from the anaesthetic properly. I had to be given three shots of what I think was something like adrenaline right. to get me up. And wow. I ended up spending the night, woke up. Um, I think it took them eight hours or something in the end from when I went down. And what did they do at that point? Um, they were like, you need to stay in. And I remember a nurse So was it just, an, it was an internal exam? It was to to just, they were going to try and burn what he could see. Right and take it off and obviously it was doing a biopsy but he hadn't used those words for me yeah but I remember the nurse coming in and he came in as well and the nurse held my hand and I was like hmm this isn't good but I was like I was after I was sitting there with like oxen tubes and stuff in me and wires everywhere when it was supposed to just be like doing what they were doing and I'd be home that um home early afternoon like and he just goes to me if that's malignant he said that's a hysterectomy and I was like oh right I was like okay everyone's very um, dramatic so they are here but the nurse just squeezed my hand and I was like okay so I'm guessing that's a hysterectomy but I was like all right yeah 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 and he goes isn't it funny for someone who's so busy that she now has to stay in for the night and I was like all right and he said you're also going for a CT scan in the morning and I was like okay and then the nurse came in to me the next morning and she goes, I think they were all just trying to warn me. And I remember my poor sister coming in and she was like, you didn't tell me this was serious because she came in and there was tubes everywhere. And I was like, I didn't think it was. Nothing really surreal for you to go yeah. from, you know, clear, clear tests the whole way along to something's going on, but I don't know what it is. It might be a polyp to now you're staying in and now it looks like it might be yeah, a yeah that's I was an awful like, lot to try and absorb yeah it was it was it was certainly strange and I was like okay <laughs> bit of roller coaster and especially you know you don't really hear much about operations and stuff when it comes to cancer and different things like that especially you automatically just think it's chemo and radiation straight away and stuff like that so and I never thought that like if there was something down there that it would be a thing of like something I would take away being able to have kids mm. no an operation like that you think oh you just cut off a little bit and like I had a radical hysterectomy so they took like part I think of the urethra and like different okay. bits inside there was little chunks of everything for a safe perimeter that was taken so I wasn't really expecting that at um, such a young age you don't yeah, why no would you absolutely that? not but the nurse had come in to me even the next morning when I was going home that day and she was just like 
um, the doctor and she said his name must be very worried about you when you're going for a CT scan this morning and I was like right this definitely isn't good at this stage I was like okay um, and then I remember going home that day and obviously there was still too much anesthetic or something left in my body but I came home wasn't feeling well had pains and I don't have medication in my house I was someone who like never would even take a Panadol didn't even have a packet in my house Yeah. Okay. and my sister handed me um, a pain relief tablet and I even had to say to her oh that says codeine on the front of it I was like I presume I just take one because I know people say that they're very strong I took that and next thing I had to be brought off in an ambulance I was nearly foaming at my mouth where it was nearly like an overdose in my body where it freaked out and I was like going into seizures and fits and stuff and so I ended up back up in the hospital so I did and it was I think for something like 10 hours I couldn't move my hands my legs my whole body was like paralysed yeah and um, I remember my dad being like to um, the doctor she wouldn't answer me and I was talking to her now and she she just wouldn't answer me and I was like I don't think he realised like how badly I was actually in some sort of seizures and foaming from my mouth and stuff yeah so I ended up I was in so much agony the next day then because my muscles had been in spasms Um, but I got to go home early that morning and once the feeling and stuff came back and I think that was all little signs to be like your body just really does not go do good with anything other than natural stuff really Mm. and I'll never forget my friend I, I came home ended up vomiting everywhere but one of my best friends who I'm actually made of honour for next month oh, um, she her mum rang me and she was like are you okay Lindsay and I was like I'm here getting thick I was like oh and she's like I'll be there in 10 minutes and she landed and next thing the phone went and it was a phone call and it was like hi so this is just the oncology um, gynecology oh. department yeah. ringing in Dublin and they're like um we just need you to come up for your consultation. And I was like, sorry? Yeah. And they're like, we need you to come up for your consultation. And I was like, consultation for what? And they're like, from your scan results. And I was like, I'm not getting those till Tuesday. Okay. And... So they didn't realise you... No, they didn't realise that, that I you hadn't been told hadn't anything. told. And so this, I think, was like a Thursday. And they were like okay just come up for the consultation next week and I was like no no like what is it they're like no no just wait and talk to the hospital so I was like uh okay and my friend's mom so we just looked and I was like okay well that's the final piece of the puzzle really and I was like okay here we go but I actually ended up getting a phone call then I had to go for like a really quick MRI on the Monday then and then so sorry on the Tuesday yeah so I knew nothing actually I went to work on the Monday because I said to work I was like look I was like I don't think this is going to be good and I'd love to get like one last day of work in before I think I'm going to be off for a while possibly and I actually had to go for the MRI on the Tuesday morning and then on the Tuesday afternoon I had to go back uh, into Mullingar to be told and I brought up all my smear test results letters and I put them down Mm. the table because I knew and he just goes <laughs> he says I wouldn't mind those he was like no he was like you have cancer were you on your own no my 
my friend my other best friend because I have two best friends and my other best friend her mom came with me and okay, my auntie course, my, course, my dad course. wanted to come as well but I met him sit outside <laughs> and um, I remember I could see the tears and stuff in their eyes and I was like there's no need to be crying I was like we're going to go to Dublin we're going to work out a plan and I was like it'll be fine and I remember being so relieved that I was told that I cancer because I was like I honestly believed I was losing my mind and that I was having some sort of a nervous breakdown um, because I knew I wasn't feeling well and I remember one of the first things that they actually said to me in Dublin is you must have felt like you were losing my mind and I was like that is bang on the money that's exactly how I felt like there, I remember there one stage there was two or three days where I couldn't actually get words out of my mouth because like there was something strange going on in my brain and did you think it was cancer? I, from mom and my dreams of that, I was like, it has to be cancer. Okay. You know, but I remember at one stage even thinking, like, I was giving out to the kids so much and I was like, we all give out, but it was different. Like, okay. usually I'd be a lot more relaxed and I was like, I'm on edge all the time for anything small or big, like it made no sense. And I just remember being relieved, being like, Okay, that's what's wrong with me. And was a shock, I wonder, because like I, you know, again, I'm certainly not comparing, but I know what it's like to be told you have cancer. And it's it's like one of those moments you just you won't forget it because it's 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 not what anyone ever wants to hear. Um, but I know for me, the tears came much later. I remember actually just being in disbelief and even like you behind it all there was a part of me that worried because I had also had an experience of having a biopsy that came back clear yeah. when I wasn't clear yeah. um, but anyway you're sitting there and you're kind of you're you're automatically going into this is going to be grand is that the way you are are you a natural yeah. kind of pragmatist <laughs> let's get on with it it's all going to work out okay <laughs> yeah because I even had someone turn around to me and be like oh it's easy for you Lindsay to make decisions like just hopping on a plane and going to Mexico and I was like you have me so wrong I was like I was panicking nearly every day before I was going up to that but I just knew I'd no choice, choice say so I was like no so for things I like to be more of a problem solver than like a panicker so I always say if you see me worried you know you know there's trouble yeah but generally I'm like there is no point and I actually just as you were saying about the crying um I remember being like I'll cry on Thursday when I'm told what I have to do okay and so I knew on Thursday I was going up for the consultation and to talk to them. I knew then that that's what I'd be told definitely what was going to be happening. They were like, I'm so sorry, but you're never going to have kids again. Naturally, um, you have to have a hysterectomy. Mm. And that is when I just like, I absolutely cried and I broke down and I was devastated. But I, they were like, the only thing is, is you are being treated you know to kind of be cured and that like we are hoping that you'd be cancer free again from this and so what stage had you been given at I this think point it was it was one B something so it was just about to go into stage two okay so this is in, in, in your own strange way in terms of a cancer diagnosis it's, it's kind of good news yeah. it means that it's still early it's still, it's still yeah. I'm mean, doing air quotes early enough yeah okay and it should have been it should have been it should have been 
but they did the hysterectomy I had loads of complications in between lost part of my bowels loads of different stuff right. <laughs> um, after it with complications but six months later my mum is back in my dreams back in my nightmares back sweating not feeling myself mm. and I went up because um, I actually had my hysterectomy the day before Valentine's Day and they used to just think that I was an absolute <laughs> nutter because I was like so for Valentine's Day any chance to go wake up with a pair of boobs or something <laughs> I was like seeing as I'm going under <laughs> I was like just a little bigger I was like nothing you know happy Valentine's Day to me from you <laughs> I was like surely there is a man in the building that does that <laughs> and there used to be like this girl is going for a hysterectomy a radical one life changing very serious <laughs> but I also get it we need humour in dark dark times so I was like, as a coping mechanism I was like you might yeah. as well you know do something useful out of it is that at the same time and like I had such a fear of needles because when I was pregnant and 19 with Zoe I got absolutely butchered so I did in a hospital okay. at three o'clock in the morning and um, nurse tried about eight or nine times up and down my arms trying to get a vein and she kept saying the words I'll get it the next time I'll get oh, it the next stop. time right. and so now if someone doesn't get my vein first time like well the first I say I have to say the first three and a half years I've done so much better the last year and a half from a lot of psychological work that I did in Mexico and Germany um Okay. Round needles. Is that therapy? Yeah. Around right. it was unbelievable. And like I have nearly pulled machines across operating tables and stuff and they haven't got an injection first time into my veins and it takes a couple of goes. Um, but you see, that's what people automatically say when they get the first time, oh don't worry, we'll get it this next time. And I'm like, it just used to bring me straight, straight back, back to that time, yeah. To that time where I'd been absolutely butchered. I'll never forget the bruises. And oh, God, I have to you. say I was lucky to get a needle, I'd say about twice for blood getting checked by the time I was pregnant with Haley. then like I've had such a fear and nearly the needles were even going to be harder than actually the operation yeah. itself in a weird way like I've struggled so badly and hands up to all the nurses and doctors that have you know been sympathetic whereas there's been some that weren't and then by the end of it when they think that I'm gonna get it it'll be fine and then they realise how bad you know my veins and stuff are so there's been a lot of factors that have been actually really hard to deal with that people wouldn't nearly assume and that's why I've been blessed with pick lines um you know when I I remember being told no no we'll get the best in the hospital to give you those cannulas and I was like no I was like I'm not doing it if I don't have um something more kind of permanent in so I had a pick line which isn't as permanent nearly say as a port but it'll stay for you're supposed to have it for about 12 weeks and I've had mine for 9 or 10 months at times when okay. I had them but and it just stays in it just stays in yeah yeah, yeah it goes that bit deeper but yeah I remember my first needle in Dublin and it didn't go in for just getting blood and like I'd be crying and there'd be oh God, other people you. crying and um, yeah I've I've said needles sometimes are actually the hardest part the hardest part yeah okay. you know um, and I've tried staying hydrated I've tried wearing three jumpers I've tried having gloves I've tried hot water bottles but I've always been told you really curly and tiny lady like veins and I'm like oh. <laughs> I've always had a huge fear around needles after that and it's you know some would say cruel but I do say it's kind of ironic in a way that the universe has made me deal with 
that and but I have been very blessed in the fact that I've done so much work on it in Mexico and um Germany in that I'm a lot more calm about it you know the only problem that I've ever had that I'm like we can't solve this is the needles so I am very much more Mm. a problem solver than someone who's like really like oh no we can't do this yeah you know so. Well, I mean, I suppose it's indicative of the fact that your Instagram handle is cancer with gratitude. I think it says it says it says it all because you're not sitting back saying poor me. And I'm sure you've had your moments and you are perfectly entitled to them. But that ultimately you are approaching this phase in your life with um, an incredibly strong and resilient mindset, which is admirable. Um so at this stage of your life again let's just bring us back to you're 28 you've had a hysterectomy um what happens then for the next few years yeah so i had the hysterectomy in the february then in the september i knew i just wasn't myself again i went in and i mentioned it and um they'd kind of had a look um but it wasn't my the usual guy that seen me and then um, they're like oh yeah send you for a scan and they thought in the scan that or actually I didn't hear back from them for a couple of weeks and I came back again and they were like oh yeah no we'll send you for an MRI but we think you've had a prolapse and I was like all right okay and then into December I remember my boss that I was working with at the time and she came in she goes hiya and I just broke down crying and she was like what's wrong what's wrong and I was like I'm telling you I am losing my mind again I was like my mom's dreams and I was like I just I, I don't think that people understand like I do believe this is back because and then when I went in I was talking to a guy and he was just like you know kind of implying that maybe I was just having you know mental health issues and that you know I've in some ways I was no I was told that I was maybe just obsessed with being sick now oh and God, you know whoa. that was said to you yeah and I was just like no I'm not you don't understand like this is how I felt and I ended up going anyway for another scan and then when I came back that's we, actually outrageous to yeah, say that I know especially the fact that you have you've already gone through a hysterectomy I mean that's a profound operation I'm actually really yeah. quite shocked I that think somebody would just think that and say that. I truly believe that they had taken, you know, such a safe perimeter. And I say that in air quotes. Yeah. Um, but it took then, I was back in February, actually. My normal guy that I see was back and he goes, yeah, yeah, I believe you had a prolapse and, you know, we can do surgery or we can leave it a little while. And then I remember him looking and he, go, he was like, um, oh you know I can do the biopsy or whatever to um, you know just keep you happy or whatever and I was like okay and it actually in the March I came back in and they did the biopsy but I remember them holding up the biopsy because I was awake for it and holding it up and they were like no definitely can't see this being cancer and then I was like oh great and I remember my cousin was waiting outside the door and because she was up in Dublin's time and I said oh that's brilliant I was like they don't think that it, that it will be and I went to a healer that weekend and he just goes to me you know you've got cancer when I walked in the door and I was like alright like a faith healer and I was like oh alright I was like yeah I've been thinking that 
and that was fine and then it was two days later I got a phone call from the hospital and um, the nurse was like you need to come up and I was like um, really and I was like um, okay I was like well I'm in work I was like uh, I was like I can come up next week or whatever and I can work this and she goes no no like you need to come up and I was like okay um, I was like I'll be fine I'll, I'll come up you know next week and she was like no she's like you don't understand she's like you really have to come up and I was like okay she's like it's not good and I was like okay not good as in like it's cancerous or not good as in it's precancerous and she goes like no it's cancer again and I was like all right I said well I actually heard that two days ago from a healer and I've been thinking it for the last six months I was like it's grand I was like I'll be up when I can I was like I'm not shocked and yeah I, I don't know if it was the next week that I still waited to just go up then or my I remember my poor boss walking in the door and she was like hey Lindsay how are you and I was just typing away I was doing the stuff um and she was like how are you and I was like I'm grand I was like didn't I tell you I was like the nurse rang me there I was like my cancer's back I <laughs> didn't I tell you all along and I remember going oh, what what and she was like really upset and hugging me and I was like no it's fine I was like I knew this I was like we have answers again and I was like I have to go up next week and I'd say actually probably then she was like no you are going up this week but I was like look I've been down this road before I was like I've been told this before and I've known it before and I was like it's only been six months since my hysterectomy and I was like so Actually, no, it'd been a year since I hysterectomy, but I was like, I knew six months after it that I'd been feeling, hmm. And it took that other six months for me to finally have gotten my biopsy and to get it. So I was just like, it's only been growing maybe for about six months or so. So I was like, no, I was like, we're going to go up and we're going to get it sorted. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com weight loss. That's PlushCare.com weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Yeah. 
Can I ask, how are you feeling about the medical profession at this point? Is like that a loaded I, question? I have so much respect, but at the same time, I know so many things that like I haven't even said and that's out of respect of stuff that hasn't gone straight laced that it should have um, or stuff that hasn't been listened along the way that I have said mm. um, like we really need the medical profession we do I just feel that it's very old-fashioned sometimes in the way that we're still in the same box I just wish so much that everything that I do in Germany could be brought to Ireland and I, I don't understand all these red tapes you know especially when Germany is an EU country yeah. and I just feel am I not a good enough example and there's lots of other ladies and um, I'm not sure gentlemen it's more ladies that have spoken to me that have gone the route that I have and have gone to the um, say Mexico or I've been that were given all the diagnosis that they shouldn't still be here but are still here and are still very much living with cancer but in a, a healthier way yes yeah and I'm just like you know mm. and I just I just I don't understand why we can't try something else you know and loads of people like oh well they're not tried and they're not tested and it's like well I actually have read books where there's thousands of people like the radical mission Kelly Turner unbelievable she went and has spoken to thousands of people and lo and behold they have gone and done the stuff that I've done I remember there were seven or eight factors could be even nine actually and the th- I was smiling because eight out of the nine or whatever it was, I was already doing by the time I listened to her book. And I was like, amazing. I was mm. like, I'm, I'm possibly one of the people that could easily end up in her book because I am doing, yeah. I'm being kind to my body. You know, and even though I know sometimes in Mexico, they'd be like, okay, if something is really, really, um, you know if your cancer is really really going really fast sometimes you need a hard hit of something to try and poison it and then build yourself up so it's not that they're even completely opposed to chemo it's just mm. for some people like myself yeah you need a more natural holistic route. approach yeah. yeah yeah so when you went back to dublin um when you were told over the phone the cancer has come back what were you told then um, yeah, so I had to go up and my auntie actually came with me. So she did. She'd been amazing with minding the girls and them having to stay with her that we went back up and they were like, yeah, it's going to be uh, internal and external radiation and it's going to be chemo. And that's where I had the little argument about getting my first pick line in. And I was like, right, OK. And they were like, you know, 80% of people would have that chemo and not even know that they're having it and I didn't particularly want to do it because I, I always had a gut feeling that it wouldn't be you know something that I'd react well to even though I was told that you know it's not as hardcore as some of them even though of course <laughs> sensitive Sally here there was hearing loss nerve damage kidney damage and numbness and it wouldn't even be in me minutes seconds nearly and or nausea was another thing and 
they all were hitting me okay. I it had to be stopped I had emergency hearing tests I was having like ridiculous ringing in my ear and I remember sitting with a nutritionist and being like oh my god is that like a fire alarm or what's the story at that bell and she'd be like oh god there, there is no bell Lindsay and right. I was like what I was like yeah there is and she was like no 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 like so it was intense but I'd wake up every hour and I'd be shaking with the sweats from the from the chemo and stuff so that had to stop yeah so it had to stop yeah and when they told you your cancer is back what 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 did they say it was what stage was it at this at this point I don't think I was ever actually given a stage that time okay I was just told it was back but and we need to treat there was, it. yeah so it was like the crazy thing is is like they took half the wall off the inside of my vagina as part of the safe perimeter and I mean that was a good bit down from where say my cervix and where like my womb and technically where the cancer had been down and like that was within six months that was back and that was growing in that wall you know and um but yeah they were they were hoping that they were still going to be treating me you know to be able to get rid of it and you know radiation was going to be more of the backbone so when the chemo was uh, had to be cancelled they weren't like extremely worried and yeah so oh, I remember the lady one of the nurses in the radiation centre she'd come out and she'd be like um, Leslie Leslie um, it's time to go in and I'd be like especially the times that I've been doing chemo and radiation at the same time and I'd be like that's my mum's name that's not my name and she'd be like I don't know why I keep calling you that I don't even know anybody calls Leslie and I'm like that's my mum whereas back then I was like my mum's dead and now I'd be like that's so nice that was a sign for (laughs) mum you know but um, and they do they were doing that over to me in Germany and Mexico as well and I was like this is so strange like you know um, but I do get I do smile and I'm like okay I think I'm on the right track like when someone calls me that but um, so when do you hear about the cervical cancer scandal when do you hear that you're one of the two to one plus. Yeah. When do you hear about Vicky feeling? Like when does all that happen? Yes. So I remember like saying it to them when I first ever got diagnosed in 2017. I was like, this is so weird. Like, how are all my smear tests um, you know, coming up saying that they're clear? And I was like, is there something wrong with them? And I remember being told, no, no, yours is an extra aggressive form. It doesn't necessarily show in a smear test. And I was like, all right, okay. And I was like, there's what a special... What did they say again, they said? They said that yours is an extra aggressive form and it doesn't necessarily show on a smear test. And I was like, all oh, right. I was like, okay. And I was a grand. And I didn't pass much heed because yeah. I was like, there's a specialist. You so... hit the nail on the head as well. Often when we hear these from medical professionals, we just, yeah, we and accept they're... their wisdom and knowledge and we go, oh, okay. And that is their Even speciality. Even you get it, you're like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, that's fine. And like, I was getting my hysterectomy and, and that. So, you know, I was being treated to be cured. So I didn't really dwell on it too much. But the funny thing is, I remember there's a counsellor that I've gone to for over 10 years. Yeah. And she, I think, used to be a nurse. And I remember her being like, hmm, really? But I still pass no heed. And because I said that to her when 
um, they had said it to me. And so then, she was skeptical about it. Mm, okay. And that was fine. And then I remember when I came back and then I'd wondered, like, I was like, this is insane. But it was in April. I found out it was back in March 18. And then it was in April I 18 that I started my treatment. And I remember sitting in the waiting room um, for my radiation. And that's when Vicky Feeling came out on the steps of the four courts and yeah. she was saying about cervical check and I was like that's really weird I was like and I didn't to be honest because they, they generally have the TV volume down and stuff like that and like in the waiting rooms and you're reading stuff on it and I was like that's so strange I was like I've been asking about mine um, I'd asked about mine and I was told you know no definitely nothing so I came back to them again and I said about her and I was told no no you're nothing got to do with that you're um, you're we told you already and I was like all right I was like okay so I kind of like kind of just was like oh once again I'm being supposed to be getting treated to be like cured and to be okay so I just ignored it but then I still say it and I still kind of kept saying it and I was saying it to people as mm. well and I know when I'm saying something to people and, and and I'm repeating it again and again I know that I'm trying to tell myself no Lindsay you think that something's not right and you're saying it because you're waiting for someone to be like yes just go and sort it so yeah. I was actually getting my pick line changed and there was a, a nurse that turned around to me and she was like pick up that phone and she actually we know her um, and she knew my mum well and she was like pick up that phone and call them and she picked up the phone there and then with me and she goes if your mum was here she'd make you ring them Okay. and I rang them and I was like yeah I'd like to get my smear test rechecked and they were like alright right okay they said it would take about six months so it actually took about a year and lo and behold I was told I got my letter out in the post as well as what I'm told that there was you know suspected that more than likely there's been wrong test results given over a few of them and that is honestly one of the worst points of yeah. um, my my story over the last five years I remember the hurt and the pain and the shock and then I was like I did everything I could to not be in the situation that I'm in and like now I am and you were so responsible you were far more responsible than the average 20 something going for your smear before before the, the the kind of the age that is recommended I mean yeah as you said you did everything were you angry yeah you see that's the strange thing I've I've never really been fully properly angry like I understand that these things happen in life where we get let down and I was I was never fully properly angry I was very disappointed and very hurt I think maybe that day was the first day that I had a bit of anger and I just remember ringing my best friends and bawling down the phone and I was like I think I've just found out that I never had to go through any of this had I just been given the right results I said I think all this has been 
literally hasn't been needed at all like and I think that's where a lot of people because I've seen articles put up where people trying to imply that um, I'm trying to dirty the name of cervical check which couldn't be further from the truth they just assume assume that I am yeah assume that I am and that I'm that like I think someone had sent me an article and was saying that like the numbers were nearly down from cervical check and it's probably the likes of the women in the 221 um, doing this it's an outrageous statement uh, anyone who's saying that is uh, troubled I can't understand that at all and I'm like that's completely the opposite of course it is because what people don't actually understand is my smear tests did what they were supposed to do it's that the person testing them didn't put down the right answer yeah. Because when my tests were checked, they did exactly what smear tests are supposed to do. It showed that there was something there and that I needed to get help. Mm. It is just that unfortunately, somebody was incapable of writing down and probably didn't even obviously look at my test because I know for the four courts that they were checked a few times and there it was impossible to ever I think even think for a second that there wasn't anything on those smear tests from what I was told obviously I didn't see the slides but I was told that they were checked by um, a couple of different places and it was very clear on them that there was something wrong and that I needed to be warned so that's what is one thing that's really upsetting and disappointment is like smear tests are so important and mine did most definitely work it's just I was given the wrong answer yeah yeah um I just I suppose I'm trying to think there's so much probably going through your mind at this point that you had this feeling all along and now here you are and now you're one of not the two to one but the the plus, plus um, the plus. others yeah yeah um can we fast forward then to december 2020 when you sat down in front of a camera and delivered that letter that you wrote to the government that has been viewed how many times now? Over well over half a million. Yeah. Yeah. And it's probably still being shared, it's still being watched. And I know like many of us who watched it, I absolutely bawled the whole way through. I think you would have to be made of stone not to feel the raw emotion from you. Uh as as a as a young woman, as a mother, as somebody who was so wrongly treated. Um I'd like to play about a minute of it. So we're going to just play the last minute or so and we'll come back and chat right after this. I sit here with tears streaming down my face right now (sighs) with fear that my girls won't get to have their mammy there to support them in their futures. That I can't protect them and make sure that they have the opportunities they need in life to be happy, successful and feel loved. I would not wish this on my worst enemy. The pain, loss and suffering I have endured and to now have to sit in court in January 2021 and listen to what has been my life is something that I hope no more women will have to go through. 
and I will advocate for all women, especially single mothers like me in this position. Protecting our children is our role and we will go to the ends of the earth to make this happen. Our past is full of pain. Let our futures be full of healing. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember the pain and the worry. Um and how scared I was back then and it's it's just insane to think that um I'm nearly a year and a half on from then and I honestly did not think that I'd be alive. Yeah. <laughs> um it's just it's just insane. Um and I, whew. yeah, no, no, it takes <laughs> Um, makes me so proud to still be here. But you know, it frustrates me, and this is why I say again about not being able to get the treatment over here that I found that does help me live. And yeah, I just, I cannot tell people enough how important it is to go for your tests and if you still don't believe in the answer that you've been given to trust your gut and go on you know because unfortunately these things do happen and unfortunately medical people they don't always get it right and yeah and they're they're human and human error and there is there is human error there is absolutely that was your letter to the government. What has the yeah. feedback been like? What have you got personally? Yeah, so the Taoiseach rang me, so he did um, after that. And he was, you know, I'm sorry for what you're going through and what's happened. And, you know, he'd hoped that, you know, it wouldn't be that I'd have to go to trial and that we could try to do mediation and, you know, I've had people come at me um, being like, you know, that it's taken from Ireland or whatever, um, having trials and having compensation compensation for stuff like this. And I'm like, well, there's actually American labs and, and stuff that was in that court case as well. It wasn't just about taking, because I've had people being like, oh, you're trying to take from the taxpayer and stuff like that, which I've paid tax through the years and stuff as well. I'm so disappointed to hear that you, yeah, you have now this very small minority, very, very small. Okay, good. But but the fact that it's happening at yeah. all is, is wrong. You know, it's people who aren't properly educated and properly don't realise. But I was like, I don't think anyone, they realise that at that stage it was for my girls. It wasn't even necessarily getting anything for myself. It was to have my girls protected and for them to be able to pursue things in life. But you don't even you know, have to say that. Without having your mum, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it goes without saying. Yeah. And, and, and you are, even though you're not a victim, because it's not that you don't have a yeah. victim mindset, but you were and are the victim of wrongdoing. So that was, you recorded it on Christmas Eve, but you didn't release no. it till a few no. days later. I knew that like people were going to be having their Christmas and then I knew with the new year. So I wanted to do it that it, it wasn't putting you know, huge sadness because it was very emotional, very raw and very, very real. And Sarah Foster from SJF Productions 
was just so amazing um, that she even came in and met me on Christmas Eve um, to do it and you know she's supported me so much with making goodbye videos for the girls and creating lots of um, photos and stuff for them so they would have them and you know she was all set up and organised for recording at my funeral and because back then obviously we ha- were in the pandemic and so if anything happened to me not everybody would be able to come to my funeral and so we'd organized all that I mean even from when I'd found out on the 5th of November 2020 um, I had organized my funeral the next day from start to finish with my reverend Simon Scott who's amazing and you know Sarah had making sure that I had all the bits and bobs organized for that um, just to make it as beautiful and you know, a thank you to everybody who'd been part of my life. You're saying this with such ease. You're you're speaking so fluidly about something that really at your age should be uh, so far in the future. I suppose none of us know. We don't have a crystal ball. We don't know when our lives are going to end. Every day is precious, but it's not the norm to plan your funeral when you're in your early 30s. No, <laughs> it most definitely isn't. But honestly, that has been one of my biggest power take backs that I've done. As I also say, the only thing that we can't, you know, work out a solution to is death. Because, you know, when you're gone, you're gone. But any problem before that, I always feel that you can. And I just felt, okay, well, we are all eventually going to go one day. And the only thing that I can make sure after I'm gone is that my funeral is something that ends up people saying that was so beautiful and you know we always sit down and be like oh you know they're shining down on us now and oh they'd love that or they'd be thankful of that or I'm sure that meant a lot to them and so I want people to know for sure stuff that did mean a lot to me and how grateful I was that everybody had been part of my life and that I was better you know for knowing them and happier and you know that I had no regrets and that you know just to mind my girls and most importantly you know goodbye for my girls and kind of you know tips and tricks of of life yeah yeah so when when you think of of that video and and I know instantly when it starts to play the tears start to roll um you didn't necessarily think you'd be here at this stage and here you are but because of all you've been through and because of organizing your funeral you are you are facing death as a real possibility in a way that a lot of us and I know I I I, I felt that myself when I was told I had cancer because the second you're told you're cancer you do your brain goes to a scary place but for you in a completely different way how do you feel about dying I have completely made my peace around dying Um, it's leaving the girls and that's what I always say to people it's leaving the girls that is my thing I think because my mom has already passed on before me I think that's another strange reason why I am so at peace with death do I want to die? absolutely not do I want to be here for decades? absolutely but I I'm at peace and that's why I tell you like I took my power back around that I think I was just like, well, okay, you know, that is done and dusted and it's sorted. And I was actually only talking to my reverend the other day and 
He's like, yeah, you know, we'll have to meet up again and just check that things are, you know, still the same as what you want. And he was like, I'm so happy, like, obviously that you're still here. Um, he actually is hopefully coming out to help me plant all my uh, organic veg that I'm starting to try and oh. grow. <laughs> um, Lovely. But yeah, it's, it's amazing that I'm still here. Like, literally, I should have been gone about a year now and... I'm like anything I decide from, you know, here on, I'm just like, I'm happy to go with it because I got that time back that I thought I didn't have. And like, I spent three and a half years in hell before um, I released that video. Three and a half years of hell, even though it was supposed to be a time where I was meant to be being treated to hopefully be cured. And the last nearly 18 months now has honestly been the happiest and healthiest I've felt even though it's supposed to be the worst that my cancer is. Yeah, because you were told that if if you were to live this long that you would have no quality of life. You'd be probably in no. a wheelchair. No. And here you are running up the stairs. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> you had to leg it yeah. to the loop. Leg it to the loop, <laughs> yes. I had actually had home health starting me there on Monday it's something that I've oh, been great. trying to get for a year and I actually had someone be like oh please don't tell me that means you're going downhill and I'm like no this means that I'm giving myself an even better um, hand I mean she the last three mornings has just been an absolute dream she's had my breakfast on the table for me like cooked while I'm getting Haley up and ready and out and you know even for the likes of running here today you know I wouldn't have had that time to like heat up the gluten-free part <laughs> oats and mm. but she had it done and it was ready so I was nipping around and I was like eating as I go and it was just amazing and then I've cleaners who come in and do a deep clean for me usually every Wednesday who are also amazing yes and what it just people, takes those bits off the pressure off yeah, yeah. and what people probably I don't know I can focus on my machines yeah okay good and that's the thing what people probably don't know is that I read somewhere that you get up very early. Half five in the morning. Half five. Half five to half seven to try and get a good chunk of machines done before Haley gets up. So again, you're just trying to be the best yeah. mommy can be yeah. to your girls. And that's putting huge pressure on you because you're still, you're practically getting up at half five is like getting up in the middle of the night still. Yeah, um, during the winter months, it's still dark outside. You're like, oh. yeah. but it's it's been a lot nicer the last um, little while but yeah no it's trying to fit everything in and trying to stay motivated because once it comes to you know late afternoon you kind of start hitting a slump and that's even if I like lay in bed till half eight mm. still hitting that slump you know I think yeah you start going down so I think Spain have the right idea when you have your <laughs> siestas, <little> yeah. <laughs> siesta if this isn't it may be an insensitive question to ask so if it is feel free not to answer but you, you've spoken so much about following your gut instinct you know your your mother's presence with you speaking to you communicating to you having a sixth sense for things um, and you've said obviously that you want to live you want to be here when do you feel like do you feel you're going to die yeah, that I think that's actually um, one thing in 2017. I remember thinking, no, no, I actually don't feel like dying and it's going to be OK. And I have to say, in November, when I was told, I was like, I actually think I really am going to. And then 
before I could get because I had the four courts and different stuff and I couldn't get on the plane quick enough to get to Mexico I knew I had a couple of months um, till I could get going and so I started like um, doing infusions there's two infusions here that um, I can get which is vitamin C and um, turmeric and or curcumin I think they call it another name and I had started using them and I it was the first time because I'd always been told just eat what you can don't worry it doesn't matter and this is the first time that I changed my mind and I was like, no, I'm going to do the gluten-free. It's called the, I think, anti-inflammatory um, diet. Um, so I'm like, no gluten, no dairy, um, no animals, bar white fish and all as organic as I can. And started doing the infusions. And sure enough, I was like so lucky because when I got to Mexico in February it seemed to all still be staying still but that was the little things that I was doing till I could get over and I remember when I touched down in Mexico and I just had this feeling then I was like I think this is going to be one of the best decisions I've ever made and then when I got to the clinic and I was only a couple of days in I was like this definitely is because there was one part of me going I really hope there's a building at the end of it <laughs> you know because I didn't know yeah. like going to Mexico if it definitely was real or if it was a scam or what was happening I didn't know but I just knew I really believed and it's something that I had been saying for a while about boosting my immune system before I even knew that my cancer was back and um, boosting my immune system and I loved everything that they were talking about doing is what I was like yes this is what I want to do I mean reflexology is one of the things I did in college so I did back many moons ago now and I always felt like it was a fabulous say holistic treatment mm. and yeah I I felt like I definitely have a bit more time and then when I came home after a month of being immersed and it's like very intensive in Mexico not as in, as intensive Germany's a little lighter but Mexico is very intensive and mm. I was like I actually feel healthier than I have in years and years and years and it just so continued and kept doing what I was doing and I I'm never ever delusional and I know that anything could happen and cancer is you know there's no proper rhythm to it and it just depends and I mean when I came back and I tried the PEMRO immunotherapy um, that actually I think my immune system started to get shot again and that's when their November just gone by it wasn't looking great again um, it wasn't under control and that was because for a little while I'd stopped doing my machines because it was so constant up and down and up and down and I was like oh sure I'm being hit with this and then sure enough once I found Germany and I'm back doing full time again what I'm doing it, it seems to be stalling again you know so I think I need to still keep continuing to trust myself with this natural process and the sensitivity test came back there I paid a couple of thousand for it in Germany and there was 12 natural compounds 10 of them had over well over 60% some of them were 70s and 80% saying that there was a good sensitivity to them actually helping me 
and my type of cancer that I had. Okay. And the four chemos also came back as well that I'd never heard of before um, as well. But I was like, okay. And they even said to me, they're like, in the years that they're there, they very rarely find someone with that many natural compounds that come back. That's fascinating. Yeah, and it's just so unfortunate that there's six of them that I need that just aren't ones that you do in Ireland. Whereas two of them are, and two that came up that were two of the highest were the vitamin C and the curcumin, which I, of my own accord, started that time okay. when I got diagnosed and I couldn't understand like how I'd gotten so lucky that they worked but it's because they actually send the sensitivity test that I've only just got back a year and a half later are actually coming up that they are two things that should help me and sure enough they have hmm. I don't mean to sound corny but that line from the Shawshank Redemption is in my head you know when he says um, the Morgan Freeman character says get busy living or get busy dying yeah. it sounds like you have gone from you know years of pain and you're still in pain I would imagine you're still you know this is constant for you but you've gone from wait a second am I going to die to no I'm living and I'm healing yeah like and that's one of the reasons I actually think I was so emotional hearing that back where I was just like um, it's one thing being alive but it's another thing being alive and not living. And that's exactly where I was. I yeah. wasn't living, but yet I was technically being supposed to be getting cancer free, like all those times. And that was hell. 2019, which was one of the only years in the last five years that I, had, I was supposed to not have cancer. But it was actually one of my worst years because my body was in wreck and ruin and I was constantly in with stuff going wrong. And it was absolute hell. So it was, and that's why I actually can't believe that, like, I've been so fortunate that I am back living, you know, that I'm going and experiencing things and experience them while feeling good, you know. And since the last, since I went to Mexico in the last nearly 18 months, I, I don't know if I've even nearly once took so much as a paracetamol. I, d- wow. I don't take painkillers or anything at all anymore since I got on this. I, I don't need them. And have they checked your tumours since? Yes. Yeah, so I've been, when I came home from Mexico, there was actually shrinkage of a centimetre and a half. Fantastic. Yeah. And then it grew then when I tried the Pembro, which, you know, I know for some people it's work for them that it's held off for a couple of years. Yeah. But like that, it just... Everybody's individual. Everybody's individual. And then they checked it again there when I was in Germany and yeah it seems to be holding again it even had um, a slightly smaller marker um, so it did but I just I'm just keep telling myself no it's stable I don't with figures and with different machines in different countries and you know you never know there's always a few millimetres and stuff in the difference but I just once I know it's holding mm. and it's not bigger that's all I think of I don't worry about you know reductions too much um, it's you know you tell me it's not there anymore and I'll be like well that's a reduction yeah. <laughs> you know so it's thankfully seems to be really really holding um, so like it's just amazing but that's why it'd be great to get it over here and be able to get all my infusions over here instead of traveling over and back which you know it's not always going to be feasible you know Uh, so 
and it's also like leaving the kids and trying to work around that I can go when it's going to be the least disruptive to them. Yes. You know, and like, speaking of the kids, um, we're speaking on what day of the week is this Wednesday? Wednesday. And was it yesterday that Zoe had her HPV vaccine? Yeah. Big yeah. moment. Like, oh, I was nearly holding my breath. Um, and I know I did have tears in my eyes when she got it. And I was just like, I think I was just a couple of years out. Yeah. So I was when that came into, you know, schools and stuff. And I know for me, I probably would have been sexually active by that stage anyway. Yeah. Um. So, you know, there's a chance that you could easily have had the HPV, you know, virus and anything by then. Who knows? Um. But yeah, it was huge. huge. It was huge. It actually should have been her second one, but um, because I hadn't been feeling well or something happened back when she was supposed to get her first one, um, we ended up missing it. But she went and she got her first one and she'll be back again now in six months for the second dose that you do. But it's huge. Yeah, it it's huge. huge. And I know for a lot of people, that vaccines and stuff is a touchy subject and you know I'm like you got to weigh up the pro the con the pros and cons in your own situation mm. I mean you will hear horror stories and then you'll hear good stories and it's just what feels right for you and I spoke with her dad because I didn't just automatically go and just get it for her. I spoke with him but we like in our house I most certainly if I can in any way help protect her sure you know and it's not as if it's a vaccine that's only just out sure. you know there is a couple of years and you know people can have different reactions and all for different reasons but we we've taken that gamble yeah. and I really in my gut I believe that it was going to do her more benefit than her absolutely um and and you know what, I'm actually glad you said that because I think conversations like this can be um, an emotional, I don't know what you call it, but it, it, it could just be a tricky one for people to navigate because we all are bring your own experience to the table. Yeah. And for a lot of people, when they get diagnosed with cancer or people they love and they're put on a treatment to chemo, it might be the right thing for yeah, them. Exactly. And everybody's individual. And but we can't just say blanket, this is going to work for everyone. It's the same for everything. And we have to respect each and everyone's personal decisions. And you've made your decision for you. And clearly yeah. you're here today. Yeah. What I can see. And again, I know what we see sometimes is deceptive, but you're certainly the vibe from you is very vibrant and very much alive. Very, very much. Alive. That's it. Loads of people, <laughs> loads of people that know me be like, oh, I don't know, Lindsay, like I just know you and I just feel that. No, <laughs> you're going to be fine. Um, and yeah, that's what I'm believing anyway, that, you know, I'm going to be more than fine. I'm just going to live life and not delusional but you know why think of all the doom and gloom there mm. is enough days where I do feel like that and I always let myself have two or three days and I nearly always know when they're coming because um, there's sometimes that you know your brain takes over and freaks you out a little and then I'm like no stop it 
stop it go back you can't control I'm like nobody knows in the morning when they wake up whether that is the last time that they get to open their eyes or not and I've just been given a warning that you know things weren't good and that I needed to change my ways um health wise and that's what I have it only took me three and a half years to get to this point to know that I'm on a better path of um you know helping myself even um I had a little life coach who's um her name's Laura she's mind mommy coaching and just even help me with the new goals and stuff that I want to do in life and things that you won't do unless you actually have someone to give you that little push so I've tried to come at myself like physically mentally psychologically like even changing my environment I have my electric car so I'm not like breathing in petrol fumes and then gratitude more than anything I'm just like I remember I was smiling on the way down here and I was like today is a good day but that's because I finally got the help that I need in the house just to do those Mm. little jobs um so I can focus on all the other stuff that I'm doing and I had to laugh because my home health was like is it always go 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 in this house and I was like absolutely yeah that's why I have really needed someone to come in and help me because if I have a couple of busy days in a row I was like things will sit here for a couple of days and you know I'd be like thank god I've got about 40 knives and forks and plates because um a lot of the times it's a new one and the old ones are still sitting there so there's like it's great to just start getting stuff to help and you know while I am focusing on doing everything that you know helps me whereas people are like oh yeah you know you're well able to do these things and I'm like I am but that is taking out you know precious time that I need to really be focused to get myself back to a place where I eventually can take everything back on yeah well look thank you for um you know driving up from Longford to be here today to have the chat uh, I've taken so much from it I know I'll be processing it for for some time and I know people listening will as well and come here best luck with the wedding that's coming up I know I know um so excited um this is that was only there um my other best friend I was made of honor for her there a couple of years ago and she's finally home from Australia woohoo so um yeah off doing the juicies again this is like my fifth time so I do always be joking or people like you know will you ever get married and I'm like no probably not it's not ever been on my list but uh I'll certainly be down the aisle a few times by the looks of it (laughs) (laughs) but for someone else which um I I absolutely love and I was living in fear that I wouldn't be here for this when I'd gotten the bad news again um in November gone by but thankfully Germany and everything has brought me back on board you know and I'm like yes you can do this yes you can thank you Lindsay you're amazing Thank you for having me. I'm so grateful to Lindsay for her time and for her openness. And if this episode resonated with you, you might want to go and listen back to my conversation with Vicky Phelan from 2019. It was the third episode I think I ever released and I still get messages about it to this day. You've been listening to Ready To Be Real. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. 
flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.